The sermon text this morning is from the book of Psalms, chapter 67, verses 1 through 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Have you ever thought about something a certain way for a period of time, only to come to realize later that the way you were thinking about that something was incomplete? Uh, There's just so much more to it than you originally understood. I'm not just talking about anything, although that truth can be applied to really anything because we're always growing in understanding, but I'm specifically referring today about the things of God the things that he has given us to enjoy in him. For example, when I was a younger man, my understanding of marriage needed some growth. It needed to develop. When I was a late teen or early 20s and I was starting to think about marriage, I always thought about marriage in a way that had myself in view. I understood that marriage was given to me from the Lord, Uh, marriage was given to the church from the Lord. I understood that it was a blessing and an institution that he had put in place, but where my mind was in understanding what the biblical concept of marriage is, was just stunted. But by God's grace, over a period of time, I was discipled and ultimately married, and with the word of God and the spirit of God working in me, I'm still to this day learning what marriage is, but have grown in my understanding of marriage. Marriage is not about the self, as we as body of believers have come to realize, but marriage more so is about sacrifice, it's about service, it's about serving uh, my wife uh, with the word of God and caring for her needs as my needs have been cared for in Christ. And as Christ has served me, and my wife does the very same, if you're in covenant marriage, you know what I'm talking about. This is something that has had to develop over time. Our understanding of the church really is no different. We have had to grow in our understanding of the church. It's more than just our individual salvations. We've come to know and understand what, what uh, covenant membership is, what it looks like to pray for one another and care for one another, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We've had to learn that our own salvations have been a means of grace one to another as we seek to care for and edify one another in the growth of Christ. Inside of the church and God's beautiful design for the church is also an understanding of how he uses our own individual salvations for not just one another, and not just for, the, for our own good, but also for the glory of the nations. Said another way, our understanding of the purpose of the church also runs the risk of being incomplete if it does not include how God uses his people to fulfill his mission to all the nations. 
This psalm, Psalm 67, gives us a more complete understanding of God's charitable plan to the nations and how he uses his people in that mission. God is actively calling for himself a people from every tribe and tongue and he has graciously extended the offer for us, Christ's covenant church, to be a part of that mission. This is the nature and the character of God is to have the praise of all the peoples of the world. So central to considering the character of God from Psalm 67, we must recognize this one truth that God desires the nations to praise him. This is a part of who God is because he knows that the praise of the nations is what the nations actually need. We know this cognitively, and I'm so grateful for Christ Covenant Church and the serious bent we have towards world missions and missions locally. However, it's always good for us to be reminded what God's word says about how he's bringing the nations to himself and what roles and responsibilities we have in partaking in that mission. As we work through Psalm 67 today, I'm just gonna pose a few questions for us to consider Questions for us to ask ourselves in alignment with what God is revealing through his word. We know that God wants the nations to praise his name, but do we understand our role in this cause? That's a helpful question for us to ask as we look at Psalm 67 today. Do we understand our role in this cause? Do we understand as God's people, he has purposed his people to bring about the praise amongst all people? Intentionally so, he has done this through his kindness and his sovereignty, he has included us in this plan. Second question I want us to consider as we work through this psalm today is this. Do we, as as individuals and as the church collectively, do we have the zeal, the care, and the love for the nations like Israel does, who is praying this prayer and who is singing this song? Do our hearts align with theirs in their care for the nations? Because what we'll notice through this text is as Israel is praying this prayer for the nations to praise God, it reveals that their affections align with the affections of God. And so it's a good question to ask, do our affections align with the affections of God? This prayer is a missional prayer by the people of God who desperately want the nations to praise his name, to rejoice in him, to know him and his glorious salvation, and to fear him. This is the context of where we are today. Now, there are two specific ways that God is working out about through his people to bring praise to himself. The first way is this. God blesses his people. He sets a people apart. He gives a people his name and he blesses those people. And we who are a part of his people now have received those blessings and we have certainly talked about those at length throughout the way we minister through the word and through the discipleship, the greatest blessing being Christ, but God blesses his people. He calls the people to himself and he blesses them. The second way that God works 
um, for himself to bring about a people to himself is that the people that he blesses, his people, he then purposes those people to serve as a blessing to the nations. So he calls the people, he sets them apart, and he, and he purposes those people, his people, to be a blessing to the nations. So notice with me in verse 1 how God blesses his people. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. The psalmist references God's blessing to Israel in Numbers chapter 6. If you remember, after God delivered Egypt from, or God delivered Israel from Egypt, he then gave Israel the law, and then he also gave Israel this blessing from Numbers chapter 6 before they entered into the promised land. For the sake of time, I'll read that text over us just as a reminder. Number six, verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Right here in Psalm 67, 1, the psalmist no doubt has this blessing to Israel in mind from Numbers chapter 6. He's using the same language with a slight difference. Back in Numbers chapter 6, Aaron prayed it over Israel saying, the Lord bless you and keep you just as a priest interceding for his people. But here, notice that the congregation is praying it all together. Lord, bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us. This is the appeal that they are making to God as a people before the Lord. Now, notice with me in your margin, right after verse 1, it says the word Selah, and it says it again in verse 4. Selah, though the actual meaning is not really known by scholars, more than likely it's a musical directive put in place for the people to not pass over quickly what it is they have just said or sung or prayed. Like, remember the truth that you are saying right now. Hold on to it and reconsider it. So as they are saying, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, don't pass over that quickly, people. This is what we ought to be praying to the Lord. Stop. Go back and consider. So what does it mean? What does it mean that when the psalmist said, and praise to the Lord, be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. It is an appeal from the people of God for God to lavish his mercy and graciousness upon them. It's an admission that they need God to intervene for them. It is an admission that they need God's grace and to admit that you need God's grace is to admit that you are a sinner. And this is the posture of the heart of the people of Israel in the midst of this psalm. It's humility. Help us. There is no blessing like the blessing of God and it's rooted in his grace towards his people. Oh God, be gracious to us. We don't deserve your grace. In fact, we deserve what you hold back from us, which is your judgment and your wrath, but would you lavish your mercy upon us? This is what they're praying. 
Bless us. You have assigned your name to us. You have been faithful through your covenant with Israel. You have shown favor and mercy and provision. You have given us approval. You have won wars for us. You have provided for us in the land. You have given us kings and promises and covenants. Lord, continue to bless us. Your name has been given to us. We pray that we would not walk away from it. Please don't walk away from it. Make your face to shine upon us. This implies that they want to see the glory of God. All the promises that are theirs in God, the covenants, the law, everything. Make your face to shine upon us. Do not keep from us anything that you um, have promised to us. We know on one hand that no one can see the face of God and live. That's Exodus 33. But they're simply praying that God would be faithful to what he has already promised. And there's certainty in their prayer. They know, as we see in verse 7, that God shall bless them. He will do this as he promised that he would. God, make your face to shine upon us. Smile towards us. Write your name on our forehead. We are a unique people and you are our unique God. Keep nothing back from us, Lord. Israel realized that God is the great blessing that has been given to them. And in God, all the provisions of both life and death are found. They do not want to depart from the Lord at all. Would you be gracious to us? In thinking about the greatness of God, his grace, his blessing, and the approval of his shining face, Charles Spurgeon said, and just, just because Tom's not here doesn't mean we're not going to bring Charles Spurgeon into this. These three petitions include all that we need here or hereafter. Be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us. We are nothing without you. The contrast of your face not shining on us is a lost people. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, this is a real blessing that they are praying for, a blessing that is founded upon the covenant that God has made with them. Does this blessing also include uh, monetary provision? Yes, of course it does. We see in this text in verse six that the earth has yielded its increase. God has lavished upon his people from time and time again all the blessings of provision as well. We see in places like Luke 12, you know, if he cares for the birds, how much more do I care for you who are mine? You know, we see Jesus teaching his people how to pray. Uh, uh, bless us, may, uh, give us daily bread, Matthew chapter six. He's we're constantly providing for his people in this way. But we also know that man does not live on bread alone. But every word that protrudes from the mouth of God. What does it profit a man, Mark 8, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? This is where the modern day prosperity gospel just falls apart, where we pray for blessing, but we become so intoxicated with the blessing that we forget the blesser. Israel in its posture before the Lord is not forgetting all the blessings and it's certainly not forget, forgetting the blessor. Their heart is knitted to him, their posture is before him. They want the, the God that has made covenant with them. They want his face to shine upon him. I hope that their prayer is our prayer. We should pray for blessing. We should pray that God would bless us and keep us. 
be gracious to us and make his face to shine upon us. We should pray that as a people, as a congregation known as Christ's covenant. We should pray that in our families and in our care groups. We should pray that in our, the secret places of our house, in our private worship. We should ask for God to bless us with his presence, that we would know him with the desire that Israel is wanting to know him here in Psalm 67, 1. But if they prayed for this alone, it would be incomplete. They're not just praying that God would bless them for their own sake, even though they get the blessing of God in it. But they're praying that their salvation has roots to it. The why of the psalm is found in verse two. Look with me. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Lord, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us that your way would be known on the earth and your saving power would be known among all nations. If, if in your conscience you feel good of circling that word that in your Bible, I feel great about it, circle the word that or write it in your notes in big block letters. This is why Israel is playing, praying for blessing. They're not, they're, themselves is not the end in and of itself but they're praying for blessings so that the nations would be blessed. Look how they pray and praise in verse three. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is what Israel wants. They want people that they don't know who hate them, who know nothing about Yahweh. They want them to know all the covenantal blessings that they have in Yahweh. What a selfless prayer. What a, what a beautiful example of people who are caring for us in this room through this prayer. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God blesses his people so that or for the purpose of his praise amongst all nations. If verse one was rooted in the blessing of Israel found in Numbers chapter six, then verse two is rooted. It's cemented in the Abrahamic blessing found in Genesis chapter the prayer of Psalm 67 is a prayer for the realization of this covenant. And as a reminder, this is exactly what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They will be a blessing, Israel, and, or they will be blessed, they will be a blessing, and in Abraham will all the nations of the earth be blessed. It's like they, they remembered that promise in Genesis 12 and they added it, so that the nations will be blessed. Just a sample of the biblical narrative of God's heart for the nations. I wanna give to you today, just as a reminder, isn't it? Now, this was probably new, but it's just to remind us of God's covenant faithfulness to the nations and our responsibility, how he uses his people to bless the nations. 
We just referenced Genesis 12. In Genesis chapter 26, God says to Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. In Genesis chapter 28, he says to Jacob, your offspring will be spread out to the west, the east, north, and the south, and all the people of the earth shall be blessed. Deuteronomy 4, it's revealed that the law of God is given to Israel so that the nations marvel. The nations come to realize that their little G gods and the institutions that are set up there all fall apart and crumble when compared to the God of Israel. As Israel is uh, entering into the promised land, you guys remember uh, Rahab, she sees the people of God coming and she's like, that's not good. Those are the people that serve the God that defeated Egypt and she's saved. We see in 1 Kings 10, the queen of Sheba praises God because of the wisdom of Solomon. In Daniel chapter three, King Nebuchadnezzar praises God because only the God of Israel delivers from fiery furnaces We see in Isaiah 43 and Ezekiel 36 through the prophets that the plan all along was to gather a people from the east, west, north, and south. The voice cries out in Isaiah 40, prophesying that a voice is gonna say, make straight the path of the Lord. And that voice rises up in John 1, 29. His name is John the Baptist and he introduces the hope of the nations as the Lamb of God who's gonna take away the sin of the world. And this this Lamb is also a shepherd, as as he describes himself in John chapter 10, and he says, I have other sheep who are not of this fold. He's talking about us. He's talking about the nations from the east, west, north, and south. Luke 24, Matthew 28, the plan all along from Christ was to make disciples of all nations. Acts 1 Eight, it's revealed further. It's gonna start here in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Paul's ministry to the Gentiles, probably most on display in the books of Ephesians and Romans. He's gonna gather two people. He's gonna form them into one and Christ is gonna be their king, Ephesians 2. Romans chapter 11, he's gonna graft the Gentiles into the promises and the covenants of Israel and we are going to get to enjoy all that was ever promised. And we have, we get to enjoy that today. Revelation 7, people from all tribes, nations, and tongues gather around the throne and they're praising the lamb. It's just a sample of how God is revealing his heart for the nations and how he has used his people to fulfill it. Now, Israel was never meant to fulfill it entirely. They couldn't fulfill it, but they did carry the one that could. The promised seed that was promised to Abraham and his name is Messiah Jesus. And he is the new and better Israel. He is the one that came. He laid down his life. And we know this. this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our trespasses, our iniquities were laid upon him. And everyone from every nation who believes in the Messiah is united with him by faith and is a son of God and a part of Abraham's offspring. This is glorious. And just as Israel is praying in Psalm 67 and longing in long 67, uh, Psalm 67 for the nations to know this God. The 
Same invitation to participate in this work has been now extended to us. The church's responsibility is no different today than that of Israel with the addition that Christ has come, he's died, he's raised, and he has ascended, and he's also given us the Holy Spirit. But the mission to seek the nations to praise him is the same. So when Jesus commissioned his disciples in Matthew chapter 28 to make disciples of all peoples, the promise of Genesis 12 and the missional effort of Psalm 67 is extended to us. In fact, us sitting in this room is proof that Genesis 12 is true. You ever thought about that? I'm sure you have to an extent. Like, I, I'm, from what I know, I'm Scottish and English. Somewhere down the line, I'm like 118th Cherokee Indian. Like if, I, have, I have the nations in me. You have the nations in you. When the promise was given to Abraham in Genesis 12, you and I and where we're standing right now was considered the ends of the earth. Psalm 67 is proof that the prayer has been answered. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. We gather in this place today to praise the Lord from all nations represented in here. And then he extends to us the offer to participate in his gathering of the nations. It's it's glorious. It's absolutely indescribable and glorious. The the temptation that we have is self-centered at times. That we are content with our own salvation that we're good, and that we can disciple here, and we should. This is part of the glorious design of the church is for people to love and to serve one another. It's not the only function of the church, though. And we know this, right? This is just a reminder for us, but the other function of the church is to be a blessing to the nations. And here's the reality. The nations aren't looking for it. But we have something that they need And really, the nations are all around us. Now, we're going to talk about this. And the glorious thing that we get to share with them is we get to tell them of who God is. This God is worthy of all the praise. We we go because we desire to have them praise him. He's worthy of the praise that's due his name. Embedded in this text are three things that God reveals about himself that brings forth the praise from the nations. The first is this, it's found in verse two. His ways are different and unique. That your way would be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. He wants to rescue the nations from their idolatry and their lawless disorder. He alone can save. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And his desire is for the nations to be saved by him. It's a loving act towards them. He's gracious. He forgives all trespasses. And we get to carry this message to the nations. God wants to lavish his mercy upon you. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your disorder, your lawlessness. And cling to the one who is righteous. He is is salvation. The second way that the nations praise him for who he is is because he desires to be enjoyed. 
to be found glad in. Look with me in verse four. The nations be glad and sing for joy. For you, God, judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. God wants all to know him and be glad in him. That's Psalm 74, just a few psalms down the road. Gladness is found in knowing God alone. You cannot be glad, you cannot rejoice and find joy apart from him. And so when the nations find joy in Christ, they praise him. And so we take the joy to them. So not only do we get to enjoy God ourselves, but our desire and our increase for the nations to enjoy him is compounded as we walk with God. We also see at the second part of verse four, the nations are also glad and sing for joy because of God, how God rules and how he guides them. God has dominion over all creation and his ways transcend all human ways in every culture. It's not hard to see all around us the corruption that surrounds us. And so when we take the hope of the gospel to the nations, we get to inform them that order is coming. A judge is going to make things right. And he's not just a heavy-handed judge, he's a righteous judge who also guides like a shepherd. So even if you're in a nation that is under an evil regime or a dictator, there is hope because there's someone who oversees all things. And the nations praise the Lord for how he judges the peoples with equity and how he guides the nations upon the earth. And then lastly, noted about God in this text is found in verse 7. His glory is to be feared. His glory is to be feared. He is worthy of the praise of every man and woman in the world. I was sitting outside my patio uh, a couple days ago and I was just praying the psalm and I was thinking about my neighbors and I was thinking about uh, how, how, how his glory brings forth the fear of all people. And we know that the, 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 beginning of fear, or, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs. We know that God loves uh, a contrite, humble spirit, those who tremble at his word, Isaiah 66 too. This is what people do when they encounter the living God is they tremble and they fear him because of who he is and all of his glory. And I was looking at my neighbors and I was thinking, why do I fear them at times? Why do I fear what they think about me? Is God not worthy of the praise of their tongue? Is he not worthy to be admitted upon and worshiped and praised? And the answer is yes. And that should motivate us to go to the people who are around us. This is the banner that we carry. This is the motivation that we walk by. We want the nations to praise God because we know that God is worthy of it and we know that it's good for the nations. So in closing, just a few things for us to consider. Like what do we do just practically when we consider these things? A lot of these things are not new truths. We always want the word of God to speak to our hearts and to penetrate us in new and fresh ways. But they're not necessarily new. 
So what do we do? What do we do with this Psalm 67? There's three things I have for us today. One, we are called to be priests. We are called to be God's priests. We know in Exodus 19 that we're a kingdom of priests. We know in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a royal priesthood set apart. Do the work of the Lord. People who are priests intercede between God and man for people and represent God to man. So we are to pray. This psalm is a prayer by a people who desperately want to see the nations know God. So we pray for the very same thing. The question I have is, do you pray for the nations? I I know we model it. Uh, We try to model it the best we can here in our corporate worship gatherings. We pray for the nations that don't know God. My question is for us as a church, it's also for myself, for you as individuals, do you pray for the nations? The nations far away and the nations right next door, do you pray for them? Do you ask God to bless you so that the nations would be blessed? Do you ask, ever ask God to bless you so that the nations would be blessed? So often we pray for blessing, provision. Um, God, would you keep us healthy? Would you help us find a job? How often do we pray for God to bless us to be a blessing to the nations? This prayer should be our prayer. It's a great goal in 2021. I'm gonna praise Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us so that my neighbor would know you, so that my coworker would hear of the glorious rescue that you have provided him in Christ. This psalm should be our prayers. As individuals, if you are in a family and you have children or grandchildren around your tables, teach your children to pray this prayer. Your your children should know who you're praying for. They should know your neighbors. They should hear you say, Lord, bless us to bless them. This is what the people of God have been doing since Genesis chapter 12. And if We're not doing that. There is hope, right, in the mercy of Christ towards us. We confess our sin. We admit there might be apathy or a lack of interest. We're just plain old forgetting. We've got leaky brains, right? God, would you give us a desire for the nations that you have and that is possible amongst your people as demonstrated here in Psalm 67 and as we've even been able to experience here at Christ Covenant Church. Second thing, we are called to be proclaimers. So we are priests. We pray for people, ask for God to bless them, but we also proclaim because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. This is Romans 10, 17. We know that our good works are to shine before men so that uh, they may praise the Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 5. That's true. We should be different, act different, live differently. But we also proclaim because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. And I get it. It can be terrifying to share the faith sometimes. But we are to preach the gospel to ourselves, right? Have you guys heard that expression before? You preach the gospel to yourself, remind yourself of the gospel the grace of God that is yours in Christ Jesus this very day. 
Just take that gospel that you're preaching to yourself, know the transitions, and be willing to speak it to someone else. And recognize that your words have no power to save, neither do mine, but the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces through soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It gets active, so we're just faithful to, to speak, speak it forward in season and out. So we pray as priests, we proclaim, that's what we're supposed to do. And we also participate. This is kind of attached to the first two. We are a people who are set apart. Second Corinthians chapter six, it's throughout the entire scriptures. We know this. We're set apart, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're set apart, but we're not separated. We should be amongst our people. It is amazing if we think about the way that God's sovereignty works itself out, that he has placed us in the streets according to his sovereignty, in the cul-de-sacs, in the workplaces, in the families, in the communities that we live in so that we can be a blessing to the nations. This is a part of his glorious plan. Sometimes, I think we're just so busy in life, we just start thinking that we're here and we're faithful, but we're not looking outward. It's kind of like me and the way I viewed marriage when I was 20. Just kind of myself was the center of it and had to realize that sacrifice and service is God's conduit to a great, thriving marriage, right? As I'm still learning, just want you to know that. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your coworkers? Do you know their names? I, I know it's not the best year to set a goal to have all your neighbors into your house, you know? But you can have them on your driveway and cook some hot dogs and you can just bless them and you can build trust with them. What if you set a goal that I'm gonna have one neighbor on my driveway in 2021 and I'm gonna show them hospitality and I'm gonna pray Psalm 67, God bless me that I would be a blessing to the nations. What if that just took fire in our care groups and amongst our people and we just started being a people that wanted to see the nation saved? I hope too, I'm looking at the producer, I hope we rise up missionaries and send more missionaries out too. I, I just, I wanna make sure that we're faithful here and, and, and that we're faithful there. We're faithful anywhere that God calls us to be. Maybe you have a coworker that you can be praying for. God bless me that I would be a blessing to my coworker. At the end of life, I think we'll all realize we're placed where we are to make God's glory known and not to just make a lot of money or just a reminder for, for me, a reminder for us as a church body to consider these things this year. Take the next few minutes just to consider what Psalm 67 says, what Genesis 12 says, what we can do in 2021 to live this truth out as a people who have been blessed by God to be a blessing. I'm already grateful for the convictions we have in this. It's just always good to pray for God to continue to grow us in this, to mature us in this, to help us know this in greater measures so that he would be known on the earth.